Hello and welcome to the Carmudgeon Show, part of what? Should I be clapping? Yeah. Okay. Derek Clapton, let's go. I did it. You see. Okay, so hold on. We'll introduce him in a second, but I've just been telling people, my buddy Mark is like, Derek needs to quit it with a with the whole clap shtick. And I'm like, it's not a shtick. And he, you looked at me and I'm like, no, 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 it's real. Like he's just, instead of just going like this, he just does the whole, pushes the microphone away, does the whole thing. At least I've started moving the mic. It's Progress. funny, but it's real. Anyway. I have been listening to the show for years, but I've never actually watched it. So that was the first time I've actually seen Derek Clap. Oh, yeah. No. Oh. Well, this is his name is Derek Clapton. I'm aware. For okay, my in, in poor abilities your poor, at, your poor at clapping. clapping ability. So, and yes, this. Go ahead. Were you and his something? name. Because yes. your name we know. And his name is Matt Quick. Yes. And he is a Mercedes specialist who often corrects any errors of the numerous errors that we may make in the course of carmudgeoning, which is, I'd say, fundamentally why he is here. Mostly accurate. Yeah. Mostly okay. accurate, substantially Most accurate. accurate, more accurate than most of the internet. Okay, but if, if we are given an accuracy rating, where are we on the line, like individually? Like, are you mostly correcting me or are you actually correcting the encyclopedia himself? Mostly you. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just make shit up as I go along. I oh, try wow. to do, I do my own research. No, sorry. I'm not going to use You're that your phrase. own internal fact checker. You know, people, he's like, well, that had 227, 228 horsepower. You like have like, you just, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, I just like to be sure before I say anything. Where numbers are concerned, round up, round down a horse. What's the difference between 217 horsepower and 227? Are you going to be able to tell the difference? Nope. My Perfect. butt dino won't either. Uh, um, in any case, Matt is joining us because he helped with, uh, he did effectively, provided the motor for my engine swap of my wagon and did the swapping itself uh, as a follow-on to Car Week. Uh, and he is a moderately long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, and in this episode, we'll talk about Mercedes engine swaps uh, and some license plate comedy as well. Plus, we both drove a C126 500 SEC with an M113.9 something swap and a dot six, 722.6 tranny swap. And if you don't know what that means, well, then you need to tune in. Well, hold on. I've already tuned in. Then you need to keep listening. Yes. I'm going to bed. All right. Buckle up. Enjoy. Do you want to just clap again? Just, just do it. No, I don't me. want to. Come on. Please. <laughs> Yay. That was a kid. That counts. That counts. It was live. Yeah. I never got fired. It's because you hadn't, ha you didn't fully develop the vocabulary that would get you fired just yet. <laughs> I did not curse at all as a child. Yes, of course I said it right after. You Colorado would have been crucified. <laughs> yeah. After I was burned at the stake, <laughs> the remnants, <laughs> my skeleton would have been crucified. Uh, yeah, no, I'm making up for it now. Fuck, fuck, fuck. See? Were you, uh, you were not in the Boy Scouts, I take it, because that's where most learned to curse. No, summer camp was, was pretty good for that. Um, but yeah, mostly just, we're in New York. How you fucking doing? Means good morning, you know. Right. So, sorry to offend your California self. I mean, if you heard me when I was driving, then I think you would you would know that I'm and not capable of being offended. Every single time you're driving. Yeah, absolutely. Even from the back seat. It's amazing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Any seat, anytime. I mean, I'll do it in an Uber. <laughs> do you really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm sure that an Uber driver wants to, you know, say stuff. That would be I could never be an Uber driver nope. because I would road rage constantly. And I'm sure my rating would be poor. But so I do it from the backseat with the Uber driver. And then they're like, and okay, this person laugh, yeah. is okay. And I don't have to hold back. Uh, yeah. 
So yeah, okay. I think driving for me is a I have to constantly narrate what's going on because if I don't, I'm going to explode. Like it's got to come out in a slow, steady stream of steam or there's going to be a As opposed to like a going thermonuclear on a particular motorist. A yeah. into, a, into a wall. We've <laughs> all wanted to do it. In other words, welcome to our yes. friendly, this is a friendly place. You're Thank safe. You. It's not. And you're not. That's yes. I've listened. I'm I'm aware. Okay. Long time <laughs> listener, first time caller. First time. You're calling oh my so God. aggressively. We're gonna, you, we're gonna have to put you on the board for all of our visitors. We've got yeah. James Engelsman and Sam Smith times two. How exciting! But that K zero point five J is Kentucky Half Jew, which was my nickname for him. When uh, we work together. You are Tennessee ex Michigander. Yes. Okay. Then we're gonna have to incorporate that in your name somehow. Somehow. Okay. Okay. So, um, of course, the question is, why are you here? Do you want to... I mean, that's a little bit rude. Why is Paolo sounding like a dog in the background? <laughs> Crying. Paolo is a dog today. today yeah. Now I we know. Think... It was never Yeah, alive. you can confirm that, in fact, Paolo, Paolo is, is, in is fact a, dog. a dog. There is, in fact, a dog who was crying over there, and I feel very badly about that. But, you know. It's um, okay. First of all, housekeeping. Yes. I have questions for you. Yes. I want you to channel your home state. Okay. And I want you to say, <laughs> that glass is fabulous. That glass is fabulous? A little bit slower, and channel your home state. <clears throat> that glass is fabulous. Yep. So the first thing about Michigan is you got to... <laughs> I'm going to make fun of Michiganders now, right? So you have to close your nasal holes and then, and then talk like that. Yeah. But then that glass is fabulous. So you yeah. have been out of Michigan for a while. I can tell. A little bit, yeah. Or by design, right? Yeah. Um, you sort of yeah. try to get rid of the vestiges. But there is a reason why I bring that up. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, this is the housekeeping. Yes. If you talk like that and you pronounce car and glass and that. And car, yeah. Car, right? Yeah. Car. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Then you are probably within driving distance of Detroit, and if you're in driving distance of Detroit, you should come and see the Carmudgeon Show live, we think, on September 23rd. 23rd at uh, the Detroit Concours d'Elegance. Yes. Allegedly. Allegedly. So it's allegedly happening. elegant. We're going to find out. Um, but we're going to be there. Uh, this will be my first Detroit. Your first Detroit? Yes. Concours. My first Detroit um, anything. I've never set foot in Detroit other than the uh, airport. Oh, well, the airport's really good. Yeah. DTW is a really good Detroit Wayne Airport. It's very good. I lived in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. Can you say that? Ann Arbor? Ann Arbor. Yep. 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 Um, I lived in Ann Arbor for, I spent too much time in Ann Arbor, years of my life. Uh, I lived in Ipsy for a minute. Okay. Ipsy is not a place, but Ipsilani is. Ipsilani, yeah. yes. Yeah. There's like a car <laughs> yeah. parts named after that, right? Is there? I, I think know. so. There's a factory there where stuff was made. And right next to Ipsy, sort of southeast of Ann Arbor, is a place that sounds very much like a place in Italy. There's a dragway. Mylan. Mylan, yes. Yeah. Mylan. It's Mylan. Mercury. Yeah. Mercury Mylan. Mercury Mylan. Yeah, it's Milan, mm -hmm. but pronounced in Michigan. So Mylan. Anyway, yeah. uh, the 23rd, we're going to do a live Carmudgeon show at the Detroit Concord Elegance. Go to DetroitConcord.com and you can buy tickets in advance or you, I think you can just show up and break in. Whatever. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do there. Possibly a Q&A. Perhaps. It oh. could happen. We could just key all the show cars. That'd be fun. Ooh. That'd be very Detroit. Right? <laughs> appropriate. Culturally appropriate. I'm going to bring a 55-gallon drum, fill it with trash, and light it on fire. <laughs> because that's my favorite part of driving through Detroit in the winter is the 
burning oil drums of garbage. I once went to an indoor junkyard in Detroit that was indoor uh, junkyard. Uh, it was an old <laughs> like, uh, body plant that had been converted to an auto salvage operation where they used the gantry cranes to move cars around. They had them wow. all stacked four high in the corners and they pulled a uh, Mercedes 400E down for me. But the it, this was in January and the whole place was heated with burn barrels. And so <laughs> the smoke was so thick, uh, you couldn't actually tell you were inside and there were just flying cars. It was amazing. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> That's a pretty cool experience. I mean, but was there like beautiful stained glass windows and stuff? Okay. This was just a shitty old factory building. Yeah. Uh, downtown Detroit, like the, the, the houses are unbelievable. I mean, there the are ones the, that are left standing. The ones that are left standing, but there are beautiful estates that are available for nothing because there's kind of no infrastructure and no one around. But like, you know, say people say Detroit's coming back. I don't think Detroit is coming back in that you're not going to get 10 miles out from a city center of just thriving metropolis it's certainly much better than it was 10 years ago oh, yeah it's that's a low bar improved. though <laughs> that is a yeah. very low bar i mean yeah. the thing is there's only so many people in the detroit metro area to support that area that that amount of geography because it's huge detroit mm -hmm. is enormous and so it's just you know it's coming back but it's never going to be i don't think the way it was the large empty highways on the outskirts are great though yeah that is true they're all flat yeah that's my my the worst part about living in Michigan was the roads are flat and straight. Yeah. Useless. Yeah. High speed though. Like, oh yeah. Really? Like, you know, and Except Bay Area. The surface quality isn't great for yeah, high but that, speed. <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, moving to Michigan was when I finally understood American cars. Cause I moved there with a bunch of high revving, annoying, short geared German pieces of shit that fell into the potholes. Um, and I'm just, you know, the ice cold engine in the morning, you get on, out on the main road and everyone's doing 70. Well, I can't go that fast because that's 4,000 RPM in these cars. So I'm just ah! like, oh God, my no oil's not up to temp yet. What am I doing? And then I realized that the American stuff was big, floaty, torquey, long legged. And when you're on the outskirts of Detroit, everything is on a mile grid. So all you have to do is leisurely schlep yourself, schlep yourself to 60 miles an hour run over dead bodies and, you know, and terrain, and terrain, and then gradually coast to a stop or make a 90 degree turn very slowly. And so the, the idea of long legged torquey V8s made with two feet of suspension travel made so much sense. Plus the, the lanes are wide. It's just a completely different um, place. So very different than here. I hated my cars here. I, uh, there, I hated yeah. them. Like they all sucked. There was no pleasure to be had. Um, and I sort of thought about becoming a big boat guy. But yeah, really? Like, a, yeah, there's no <laughs> point. Like I thought, okay, a 60s car is kind of perfect for Detroit. It really Because is. they're straight line cruisers. You know, you don't really go faster than 70 around town. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, when I say around town, I mean, I mean, these, these, these grids are a one mile grid. So, you know, you have 10 mile and 11 mile and whatever. They're called the mile. <laughs> yeah. and there's kind of nothing around so you just kind of get up to 70 and then slow back down and the highways everyone does 90 and 100 but that's right. that's cool especially being where i am here where everyone does like 38 is uh, uh, west coast highways are really something else uh, compared to uh back home the what you will find is the further you go up the west coast the more, what's your term? You lived in Seattle. I did live in oh. Seattle. He experienced Seattle firsthand is, the comatose motorists. Ooh, very frustrating. Yeah, the comatose quotient just <laughs> is is equivalent to the latitude. Like that's yes. fucking, by the time you get to 
like Marin here in the Bay Area, everyone's asleep. And then they're clinically dead by the time they get to Seattle. In Seattle, you'll have a five lane highway on, on the five and it will be five cars across and they will all be doing exactly 58 miles an hour and you can't get around them. There's no in a 65 go. zone. In yeah. a 65, 60. yeah. 60. Oh, 60. Yeah. Rove, roving low speed roadblock. As yes. I call um, hmm. Okay. So to answer Derek's question, the fuck are you doing here? Um, <laughs> so well, I get to abuse him. Okay. Enjoy. For the past however long that uh, you guys have been doing this, uh, you've been saying a lot of things about Mercedes, and they're not all entirely factual. So at one point... <laughs> He's dishing it back to at you. At one point, Jason said, I don't check my DM, so if you have anything to say, say it to Derek. So I have been... Um, <laughs> Sending <laughs> corrections. DMs with the Mercedes facts corrections for a very long time, and it, it just seemed appropriate to... Come, come here and deliver them in person so there's, not a, okay. so there's not a two-episode delay between when you say something, when it goes live, then he DMs then, me about it, and then it gets to the next recording. So it's like a month lag. Now it's just more efficient more real time. to get corrections Might I remind both of you, while you're busy attacking me, that the two of you have just accomplished a motor swap in my warehouse for no charge. I will not be billing you for damage you've done to the floor or any cleaning I have to do. So with that in mind, let me have it. What have I fucked up? I, oh, I, want, I genuinely, I'm totally kidding. I want to hear that. <laughs> Where do I start? There's so many things. Seriously. I mean, was there oh, something no, like we got uh, horribly wrong? I mean, it's, it's no, it's mostly just minutia over the past, you know, couple of years. It's, He'll I, remember because he, th he, he will remember. I have a terrible memory. Good. Probably yeah. better that way. Yeah. No, we'll just do it in real time. I mean, the real reason why we're here is to discuss, uh, I think, your main uh, focus now, which is making Mercedes-Benz better through uh, motor swaps. Science. I would like to point out that the the fact that Derek Tamscott is here talking about old Mercedes is a shock to me and all our entire audience. Mm -hmm. Everyone shocked. Of okay, course. so you brought here today a C126 500 SEC. Yes. That you've put, we're just going to speak in codes from this whole time. Yeah, it's just going to be a bunch of numbers and letters. Okay, so put, this is the 80s S-Class Coupe for those okay. who are not Mercedes people. That you've swapped an M113 how does Mercedes do the displacement? B55? 5.4. Yeah, well, we know it's a 5.4, but yes. Mercedes called it a 55, right? In, only in the model. In yeah. the model. Yeah. So what's the full code of the engine? It's just an M113 NA. There's no like dot something? How do they just... Oh, uh, yeah. M113 981, I believe. Because okay. there's always a 98 something, 985, yeah. 983, yeah. whatever. Okay, so anyway, a 5.4 liter, three valve per cylinder, yep. V8. Single overhead cam. Single overhead cam. The one that I made fun of. For yeah. years. I made yeah. fun of that engine when it came out. Until you owned one. Well, in, until all of the other high-tech stuff that was coming. So for perspective, we're talking 98 for that mm -hmm. motor family? No. Yep. Yes, V12 came first. So Mercedes had a four-cam series of engines. Ah. Um, so first. those came, out, came out, out in 90. 89, yeah. yeah. 89 M119. 90, M119. So it's four valve per cylinder, four camshafts, absolute... Height of technology. Variable it, valve vari timing on, on the, the intake. intake. Yeah. Uh, and then cost cut the shit out of all those motors for the next family, going from four cams to two cams, getting rid of variable valve timing, going from four valve to three valve per cylinder, and needing twin plugs on the engine to get it to pass emissions. Yes. This was straight cost cutting, and I thought that was just... The Daimler Chrysler era. Yeah. Then you drive one of these V8s. Right. Or live with one. Live and with one. Maintain ranks. And they just, they're wonderful. Crank position sensor. Keep a crank position yeah. sensor in your glove box and you're fine. And that's it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they're indestructible, good power for the cost. And so that and so they are basically free, which you is, is yes. central to your <laughs> to your plan here. The naturally aspirated ones are basically free, yes, right. but the supercharged ones not so much. It's a yeah. Okay, so they came in. So the M one nineteen, which is the first family of V eight, so the four cam, mm-hmm. uh, came in four point two liter form and five liter form. Yes, and um, six liter from AMG. Okay. Uh, and then the the one that replaced it got a small displacement bump to make up for the lack of cams and power. So the 4.2 went to a 4.3. So if you've ever seen a 430 badged Mercedes, it's that engine. A 43 badged is the AMG version of that engine. Um, And then there was a 500, which was a 5.0, right? Mm -hmm. And then a 55, which is the AMG version, that's a 5.4. That 5.4 came naturally aspirated or supercharged. As of 2003. Okay, yeah. and so you put a naturally aspirated 5.4 liter three valve per cylinder V8 into that poor, unsuspecting C126. Oh yes, and you have put uh, supercharged ones in other 126s as well. Yes, I've I've actually done more of the supercharged ones than the naturally aspirated ones at this point. It seems a little bit nuts. Yeah, but it is. We like things that are a little bit nuts, which is why you're here. Hmm. Frankly, um, okay. So let's <laughs> but let's talk about horsepower. So a 500 SEC was not a slow car. It, uh, well, it was by, by the era, by the era, right? <laughs> in compared era. to anything now, it was very slow. But yes, at the time, it was it was rather potent. I mean, yeah, it's a hundred and forty mile an hour car, right? Eight seconds to sixty, probably somewhere in there. I mean, the five sixty motor, which was at which was the same sort of family, was mm-hmm. a U.S. only torquey motor, and they were two hundred and twenty seven horsepower. Whatever. In the like U.S., that. it was I think two twenty eight, uh, and then in Euro trim, if you got the high compression and the good exhaust, it was three hundred horsepower. That was shit ton of power for the day, yeah. Yeah, more so, than a six nine. Yeah, true. All right, so this is now three hundred. The factory fifty five naturally aspirated engines were three eighty, three fifty, three forty five to three sixty seven, based on year and trim. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you have a four hundred, three hundred and something. Well, you tuned it, right? Yes, so it's it is of, tuned to four hundred on this car. Okay, so this is a four hundred horsepower car. What in nineteen? The SEC came out in nineteen eighty ish. What had four hundred horsepower in nineteen eighty? Nothing. Uh, it was before the 288. It was before the, the Countach was, did not crest 400 until the Quattro Valvole came out in 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Testarossa was 380 horsepower in 84. Um, nothing had 400 horsepower then. Porsche turbos were in the high 200s, low 300s. <laughs> so you actually went to AMG and had them build you the 6-liter quad cam M117 we're still only at 380, 390. Wow. Yeah. So this, if you think about it, you've now made what would have been the most powerful car of its era. Yes. With what transmissions in it? The dot six, 722.6. This is the transmission that came with the engine out of the donor car, which was a S55. 2002 S55 AMG. That's the last year of the naturally aspirated S55. Okay. You experienced it? I experienced it. You experienced it. I also experienced it, yeah. yeah. It has a limited slip, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it has a quaff. It explodes sideways quite lovely. Um, I, d- I didn't expect it to do a first gear downshift. So, you know, those those transmissions in the old Mercedes were a little bit um, lazy. And mm-hmm. so you could mat three quarters of the throttle and it would never give you a, like a, a wide open throttle downshift until you click the, there was an electric button at the bottom that was the downshift. Kick down switch. Kick down switch. 
and I did not get to the floor and it very eagerly gave me first gear, which gave me a lot of wheel spin and sidewaysness. And um, had there not been a Mercury Comet on the side of the road oh, yeah. uh, that we were aimed towards whilst sideways, I would have done a massive drift, but I don't like totaling other people's cars. My God, that thing's fast. It's good fun. It's and that's with the automatic and naturally aspirated. Imagine with a manual swap and a pair of super or single supercharger. Pair that car compared to the other one that I built in January, which has is that configuration, the manual transmission and the supercharger. That car is properly insane. Um, it will. It wants to kill you. Okay, that sounds like fun. It, uh, oh yeah. I mean, this thing doesn't want to kill you. I mean, this. Yeah, is, I think it I puts know. power down very well. It, totally. You're not going to go sideways in this car unless you mean to. Whereas I suspect yeah. in the supercharged car, you, you're you going to go sideways whether you want to or not. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Accurate. Accurate. Yeah. And then he's put it in a 123 as well. Oh, yeah. The, the 123 is really the uh, the crown jewel of the collection because it's a one-of-one one wide body 123. All steel. I don't even know who did it. It was done in the 90s in Mexico, I think. But um, That's good provenance. Yeah, that one. So that's the 113K with the six-speed manual and uh, no anti-squat suspension on that. So it does have a quaif. And uh, it's making roundabout 600 horse. Holy and shit. It's, it's just looking for a fight all the time. I mean, 600 horsepower on a car that, so in the US, the, the 123 was mostly sold as a 240D, which and had the 300D, which had right. 60, what, 64 horsepower? 60, that point, 65. Yeah. Um, and then the 300D turbo. Well, 300D and then 300D turbo. Yes, and um, the 300D is 95 horsepower, and the turbo is like 115 to 120, or right. depending on whether it's a California so car. So four times the most amount of horsepower you could get in that car in the U.S. That's right, and the most powerful one that was ever made, 123, was the high-compression six-cylinder engine, which was 185 horsepower, the 280E. So the most power Mercedes ever conceived of putting in that car was 185 horsepower. So what breaks? What goes first? The tires. But like nothing on the, the chassis is no problem dealing with it? No. So I've upgraded the diff, I've upgraded the axles, I've upgraded the drive shaft, I've upgraded the suspension and the brakes and literally everything. But it's all and Mercedes stuff with the exception yes. of the diff, right? It is all factory Mercedes everything. From other models. From <laughs> other models. It all bolts in. And I just added a quaif to the diff. And, uh, and it's fantastic. But I have a different theory on horsepower than most people. Whereas most people no. want to put the biggest tires they can on a car. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do that, right? Because when you do that you're moving the fuse somewhere else. There's always a fuse yes, in your drivetrain. Right. So if you put skinny tires on it, the tires are the fuse. Right. Therefore, you just spin the tires and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Rather than shattering drive shafts, axles, diffs, everything else. Yeah. Right. I like the philosophy also of the sort of fully Mercedes. I mean, there's a temptation to LS swap things, but that's always not really sat quite right with me. And so I like the sort of accessing the parts bin to build the right kind of car that still is all Mercedes stuff. And, and you know, I'm constantly shocked when I talk to him because he's like, yeah, so if you pull the axles from a 560 SL, then they're exactly the right width to fit with this setup in that mm -hmm. car. And you're just like, my God, this is the kind of stuff where it's like if you sent it to, to a fab shop, they'd just be like, we're going to make some custom stuff. And here's a bill for 25 grand mm -hmm. just for a pair of, of custom driveline shit. So I like this approach better because it's cheap and it's OEM. And yeah, that anything that Mercedes has made is going to be much higher quality than anything you can get in the aftermarket or custom because it's been tested and stress tested for decades by Mercedes engineers versus some guy in a shed. So, for example a wiring harness for an M104 that is made in someone's shed would not be more reliable than the one that Mercedes made that disintegrates on its own and just turns into dust after 10 years. That's a, that's a special <clears> case. <throat> I'm just um. kidding. 
It was only for three model years. Things. Yeah. And it was, it was, the intent was to make the car recyclable. Yes. It was, the, it was the same problem that BMW had with the E36 interior. We'll make it recyclable. It will self-recycle. Yes. While you're driving it. While you're driving it. Yeah. Right. Um, so the 126 was to your satisfaction? You found it amusing? Yeah, I found it really amusing. So what I love most about it is that the, it's a six-cylinder attack in, in the car. So it starts and it's sitting there, blah, 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 and it's showing 1,200 RPM. And I'm like, that is not 1,200 RPM. That is a six-cylinder attack. And then uh, you start to accelerate and it just quickly pegs at 7,000 and stays there for very long periods of time. Uh, I took a video. Um, and it just is hilarious watching. I mean, okay, would I fix it? Maybe. I'm going to, I, yeah. I just kind of love the idea of like a fully pegged tack and it barely moves off the peg on a ship. Well, it solves your problem um, of not liking cars where you can't ever get, get to get red, the red line. line. Yeah, this is like <laughs> off the tack scale. Uh, no, it, it actually, it honestly drives like a real car. Like it, the, the funny thing is that that M113 is torquey in the same way that the original 500 motor was for those cars on the 560s. Um, they were kind of torqued down low and then would run out of breath a little bit. This is all that torque down low, but then they don't run out of breath nearly as much. Uh, so yeah. it really feels like a Mercedes. It feels yeah. like, you know, a 126 SEC that just is a, a lot faster. That's kind of my philosophy for building these cars is I really like the way that all of the old Mercedes drive. Uh, they have all their idiosyncrasies that are just so charming. Um, but wouldn't it be great if you could have that, but also have a proper amount of power and use it every day. So that's well, what I do. Yeah. Modern fuel injection. I mean, yeah. for, forgetting, forgetting about the power, the fact that you can, first of all, you can flick the key on that yeah. car, which is so cool. You don't have to hold it to, to crank, flick the key and it will just start idle run, not have to deal with any CIS bullshit mm -hmm. is a And huge for no benefit. maintenance cost, no yeah. ongoing maintenance cost because those things are so easy to live with. Yeah. To me, the car strikes me as very coherent it's a it feels like a logical extension of what the car originally was and it doesn't feel modified cars that feel really modified this is the reason why you hated my alpha gtv6 yeah. because it felt modified and you end up with something that's sort of incoherent uh, and i mean that car is just dangerous so look i like modding cars I, i've modified most of my cars but, but not willy-nilly it has to have a coherent sort of it has to be fucking drivable your gtv you gotta see in all seriousness I am not a weak person. I have like now dad strength. I couldn't fucking turn the wheel on this car. It, literally, like at 60 miles an hour on a back road, you're approaching Max. Look at the size of his arms and the veins. Most of that came from that fucking alpha. That it was, it. in all seriousness, it was dangerous to drive very quickly because of course I could get it, the car to turn, but I would never be able to get the car to turn quickly enough to react to it stepping out or anything. It was dangerous. Um, that car sucked. What made the steering so heavy? Too much caster. Yeah. I removed, it, we reduced it by about 50%. I don't think you ever drove it yeah. after that, but mm -hmm. the car was much more drivable yeah. after it was just reducing painful. the caster. Out of curiosity, how much caster was there? I don't know, five or six degrees? Is that I don't know. I have no idea. Too much, what it was. There were, there were a bunch of issues with that car. That was also the 
that engine, the way it was set up, made nothing until 4,000 RPM, and it was over at 5,500. So you had a very tiny power band, and that two, I'll never forget the two to three shift, because if you shifted at 6,000 RPM from second to third, which happened at 141 miles an hour, I mean, it was very long, long-legged, uh, you would shift, and it would go from 6,000 to 2,000, and there was nobody home, and you couldn't pass anyone, and you were stuck behind that fucking truck on a back road and working out. It was just, I hated everything about that car. Which is, uh, it, it, they needed a shorter rear end ratio for sure. They, they were they actually the factory actually changed it in yeah. response to this. Was an early car and had a three forty six rear end, and I think the later ones were four elevens or something like that. I mean, a substantial yeah. change uh, to rear axle ratio to solve exactly that problem. Let me say, like a late GTV, a late six. GTV six is magic to drive. Your yours was just modified in a way that I didn't appreciate. And so, Derek and I were talking though, because I am also an alpha person that. Uh, Alpha hobby is almost a completely different hobby than uh, the Mercedes hobby. Tell me why. Oh, it's just uh, when you work on a Mercedes, everything um, you, works. You, it, <laughs> it, it works. It's very satisfying because you put things together and they, it, you, know, you take something apart, it goes back to the, together the way you would expect it to. Whereas on an Alpha, uh, I think Derek was saying you take it apart and it, and it doesn't go back together. Yeah. Um, you can't think of it the same way because it's entirely different. Yeah, I mean, a Mercedes, you take it apart and you throw something. I mean, this is always the test. If you're reassembling like the firewall or plastic trim, it there's always a click that makes you aware that you have indeed reinstalled everything correctly and it all goes back together very nicely. And mm. in an Alfa Romeo, it's just like super casual about the whole thing, <laughs> including proceeding down the road. Anything related to an Alfa Romeo is very casual. It's probably just that the Alfa stuff is 20 years older than the Mercedes stuff that we... We're no. working with, but you work on 111s. Yeah, so I work on 111s okay. and 108s, 60s, 70s, 60s Mercedes, and in the same day I'll be working on my 71 Berlina or my GTV, and it's just a whole different animal. Okay, because what I was going to say is most of the stuff that we've talked about is 20 years apart, and then in actuality, and then philosophically, the Italian market was like uh, the Italian you know car industry was 20 years behind Mercedes, behind the Germans anyway. Yeah. So you really have a 40 year gulf from handmade to the engineering of something that is meant to be put together. I mean, there's a lot of time that car companies spend in engineering things properly so that things fit together positively and so they can be built quickly and stay reliable. The Italians never really got that. No, I mean, there message. was a tendency, there was a desire to just, I would say, turn them out, I guess. And, you know, it's reflected. People always talk about how poor the rust resistance is to Italian cars from the 70s. And they were just buying steel from the cheapest place, which happened to be the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And so they had a lot of low quality materials going in. And there was a lot of industrial unrest. I mean, of all the Western European countries, Italy was the closest of have, to having a communist revolution. There's a lot of, I mean, one, the prime minister at one point, in the, I think the late 70s, was assassinated in the street. I mean, it was a very, like... Frequent strikes, frequent unrest. It was just not a great environment in which to be building cars. In Britain, there were a lot of labor disputes also, so there were a lot of strikes as well. So the quality, of course, suffered there right. as well. It was just well, let's not that forget that Italy's climate isn't really all that harsh. So rust, something like rust prevention isn't going to be a top priority versus yeah. like and Detroit. And strong people. domestic uh, um, market favoring also yeah. i remember when during that era if you lived in france you bought a french car if you live in italy you bought an italian car and so there was an element of like it's a foreigner still, buying the car that still happens look at lancia's sales volume in italy versus the rest of the world i, I mean, mean i don't think too far fiat yeah, buy them. Oh, yeah. yeah they probably don't even sell them in other <laughs> markets anymore yeah but you can see i'm very clearly italian still favor the italian market 
So the answer yeah. to the question I was asking before, which is why is Matt here, was to swap the engine in my wagon. That was the, that was self- the actual Derek's answer. selfish reason yes, why yes. Matt is here. Um, okay, so have at it. What happened? Um, how long was it? 48 hours and 15 minutes between the last key off of the 3.2 liter engine and the first key on of the 3.6 liter engine. Yeah, you measured this? I mean, we started at 6.30 p.m. on Sunday, and the first time we started the car was Tuesday evening at 6.45. Okay. So back up and tell everyone what did you do and why he did, did you do it. He did I didn't okay. do anything. Oh. You're, you're, well, okay. What did you do? You all. What, what y'all. do you say in Michigan for plural you? You's in New York, yin's in Pittsburgh, y'all in the South, and what? Oh, I don't know. I've always said y'all. You say y'all? Yep. You live but in the South now. I know. I just moved to where it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I found the, my linguistic home somewhere where I can. Okay. So back up. Back so up. the car comes with a 3.2 liter. Uh, what car? The, the audience doesn't the know what station wagon you've done. The purple Derek station owns wagon. the best W124 wagon. Sorry, S124. And it was initially a 3.2 dogleg purple slick top sport line wagon uh, in immaculate condition. And it was only missing one thing. And that one thing was a hot engine. So we fixed that. But it had the hot engine. It had the hottest yeah. engine you could get from the factory. Yes. Okay. So 124 wagons. Mm-hmm. Let's back up. This is Eurocar. It is. Um, in the US, they were available with two engines? Three. In 87, you could get a diesel. Diesel oh, only yeah. in 87. Okay. I own one of those. Um, but it's not a diesel. It is a diesel it again a diesel. now. But you're on your th- fourth engine in that car. Oh, only right? second one in this in this car. Got Three it. in the last one. So okay. you could get initially as a diesel in '87. Right. Uh, tr- a turbo diesel is that is that's a six cylinder. Oh, I'm six oh three. Yep. Okay. Two point five liter or is it three, three liter? Three liter. Three liter. Uh, Wasn't it you couldn't you couldn't get there a was 2. a two point five later, oh, but it was not sedan. available. In yes, but yes. not available okay. in the wagon. Okay. Uh, and then in eighty eight to ninety two. Uh, for the rear-wheel drive cars, there was the uh, 103, M103, which is a single overhead cam, three liter mm-hmm. in line six. 160 177 horsepower. That much? For US trim. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of the 25. Uh, and then from 93 onward, then you got the twin cam with 24 valve engine, which is 217 horsepower for the US market. And this 93, was 94, 95. the six-cylinder version of the four cam V8 and the... Four cam V12, right? So what, yes. what Mercedes did was, what car companies do, people often forget, is they engineer one combustion chamber. Mm-hmm. So they decide valve locations, whatever, and then it's just control C, control V, however, whatever layout you want. Mm-hmm. So there was a family of V12, half of that V12 would be a straight six, and three quarters of that V12 mm, the cut V12 the other way. was two of the sixes. Because the six existed first. Blah, blah, blah. Same thing. Yeah, no, same idea, right? So the combustion chambers are the same. This is the highest technology engine mercedes made at the time right yeah. so this was variable valve timing four valve per cylinder twin cam that was serious shit variable intake runner made a variable in, right so early on there was a three liter so it came with we've talked a lot about the dogleg sl 129 sl that had a three liter version of this m104 engine that revved to 7000 um they then 8000 huh 8000 from the factory okay. revved to 7000 you can make them go to nine really yes without much trouble oh my god only Mercedes. See, this is why this. he's yeah, a, an it. incredible resource. Yeah. Because but the red line, the rev limiter was 7,000, 7,200, something like that. So what's really interesting is that engine was actually, uh, they took the 192.316 Cosworth engine mm-hmm. and extended it two cylinders because they wanted a bigger engine to go racing with. Mm-hmm. So they made the 3.024. And, um, and that's why originally the first three years of that engine, 90 to 92, you could get them 
well, they all came with all forged internals, double valve springs, 8,000 RPM redline, and all that was because it was basically a racing engine that they decided to sell to the public. Hold on. So M104 was designed off of the Cosworth M102? Yes. Really? Yes. Even though it has variable valve timing and all the rest of the stuff? I didn't realize. So they took Cosworth. So for the 2316, Cosworth did that head. That was just a standard 45 degree V valve angle, blah, 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 Cosworth head. So interesting. I didn't, I did not know the M104 That's was where the lineage is from. Yes. It was all inspired from that Cosworth head. Huh? Really cool. Cause the first time Mercedes tried to do a twin cam six, that didn't go so well. That's the M110 <laughs> 2.8, 2.7 liter 280 engine, right? Yeah. Oh, which is worst engine they ever made. Really? Worse than a 230 motor. The four, Mercedes four cylinders and I have never been friends other than the original M102. The rest of them, I think they were just clattery and diesel-y and horrible. I once got a, an M110 in a Euro 280 SL that had a rod knock when I got it at 47,000 miles. Um, so I figured, oh, it's pretty low mileage. Hopefully I can drop the pan, throw mm-hmm. some new bearings and it'll be okay. I dropped the pan. Uh, it had already been rebuilt. The crank had already been ground and it already had oversized bearings at 47,000 miles and needed them again. Yikes. I mean, those, those engines were notorious for smoking. You know, yep. you'd always used a lot of oil and, and leaking. And so, yes, yeah, so generally leaked, leaked out and, and or burned all of its oil and destroyed. It also had a two piece cylinder head, which was impossible to get to seal correctly. God. Um, okay. So <laughs> I own a car with this engine in it. I'm just sitting, you I mean, I guess going. when it explodes, you're going to have to get it to swap. Yeah. We're going to put okay. something in it, I guess. Well, okay. Anyway. So the U.S. cars got a, the U.S. 124 wagons got that M103 was a single cam or the M104, which is a twin cam. The M104 they got was a 3.2 liter, not the three liter original one. That added a variable intake runner and that was done for, for low end torque or low and mid range torque. Um, 200 and what horsepower? 228? 217. 217. I never, it's always 220 PS in Germany that rounds down to 217 horsepower and fucking um and yours came with the dogleg five-speed manual yes all the manual ones which were not available here uh, i mean anytime that engine was ever paired with a manual in three or 3.2 liter form it was always a dogleg so s-class got a dogleg the manual, s-class got is... a dogleg yes the sl got a dogleg yeah. the e-class yeah. got Super a dogleg cool. so the racing engine for the racing gearbox uh for the racing old man s-class yes <laughs> um, for, the, for the racing s-class and then okay so your wagon is a has an ASD in it, mm-hmm. right? Which this is an, a, a locking differential, but it's hydraulically locking. It has a small amount of lock all the time. And then when it senses slip, it will just lock itself up. 100% lock. Yep. Yeah. Hydraulically. Hydraulically, which is not what you as a driver want, even if you think you want it. Yeah. <laughs> I had a 190E 2.0 with an ASD years ago. Mm-hmm. And so the light, when when it's sensing slip and it's about to lock, you get a light on the dash. And it's about a half a second before you would notice it locking. And that light meant counter steer. Like fucking get <laughs> on it, Jason. Because I'd be driving it like, I, I had my dad in the car once, leave a toll booth. And this is in back in PA. There's this like long right hand 120 degree turn that would get onto the freeway. And I knew in that car, if I floored it out of the toll booth, which was, you know, throw a quarter in. So you had to stop. Um, I could just, just make the end of the, of the on-ramp sideways, just a little bit sideways and slide down the highway. It was nothing at full throttle. So I knew the car could do it. And it was a little bit cold outside. And my dad's in the car. I'm like, yeah, watch this. <laughs> famous last words and i floor it and just as we're as the road crown changed from the on-ramp to the highway 
light came on and I'm like, ah, shit. And at that point, you don't want to lift. Those cars have significant lift throttle oversteer. Yeah. Um, so I just kept my foot in and went eh, half a turn of lock right before, right as it's locking. Yeah, a locking diff is great for, di uh, for drifting. It is not great for smooth at the limit behavior because it throws the car fucking sideways. Oh, yeah. um, hmm. Okay, so you have the sidewaysy diff, dog leg, slick top, sport seats, sport line, everything, different steering box, different suspension, self-leveling at the rear. Mm -hmm. That which is in purpose. Yes, we put new accumulators on it, which it desperately needed. Okay. So for the record, I know we've talked about this. This is the hottest 80s Mercedes you could buy. 90s, I guess, Mercedes, period, with the possible exception of an Evo 2 Cosworth. Are we agreed on that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, there was no, the C36 wasn't there yet, and that's kind of an AMG product, I guess. Just is, coolest now, though. I mean, yes. mm -hmm. if you think if I have to buy I mean, you would want it as a sedan if it was going to be dynamically better than the wagon. Yeah, it's a little cool. bit less. No, it's not cooler. The idea of a dog-leg manual wagon with rear drive and a diff. Yeah, we discussed this, and maybe okay. the only person who, the only people who ever put a dog-leg in a station wagon other than Mercedes was Datsun in the, yeah, the 510. 510. Yeah. yeah. And 510 wagon is cooler than 510 sedan. Just, yep. sorry, these are not my rules. Um, no, no, sorry. these are facts of the universe. <laughs> facts. It's basically physics. Yes, yep. thank you. Um, okay, so you had already the fastest, hottest version of the coolest fucking car from 1994 you could possibly buy, and now you ruined it. Uh, it was his idea. He was like, you know, was you it? can just throw in a 3.6 in there and it'll go right in with no effort. You uh, do realize you're responsible for this, oh. for creating an absolutely. even bigger monster. Right? I mean, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Unequivocally. He's like, I have one. You can buy it from me. It's cheap. Freshly rebuilt. So and freshly rebuilt. So this is the C36. For yes. people who don't speak in M104.982 terms or whatever. This is a dot .941. Shit. Um, I just made up 92. <laughs> real time correction. Yeah, that was oh, bullshit. Fun, fun fact. The oh, dot no. .941 is uh, the same engine code as the C280 engengine. Because uh, AMG took the C280s off the line, drove them down to a Falterbach, and then bored and stroked the 2.8 liter. They didn't start with the 3.2. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. So this was a, yeah, they were C280 sports. Yes. To build the C36 AMG, the C43 AMG, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because then is the <laughs> first AMG product ever built on a, a Mercedes production line. Yes. So AMG did the car, sort of figured out what it needs, and gave the parts to Mercedes, and Mercedes was built. So the C36 had a 3.6 liter. Was it bored and stroked? Yes. Bored and stroked version of the 3.2 liter. Hold 2 on. 2.8. I'm sorry, 2.8. <laughs> mm -hmm. They bored and stroked. Why didn't they just... How the hell... You take an engine that's already complete... You pull it apart and you rebore it. Yep. And then you throw a diesel crank in it. That was literally what they did. Yeah, that was the three point five OM six zero three diesel crank, which they you had know it's going to be strong enough. Uh, they actually sure. had to modify the crankshaft to clear the the piston skirts because of the um, like yeah. whatever the fuck blah right. blah blah blah. That's insane because I mean, there were bigger pistons. Think of the man hours required to. I mean, they're literally shipping. This is why this car cars. was like fifty five thousand so dollars when insane. it came out. <laughs> okay, I had a C thirty six, and the guy bought it new, and he traded a Porsche nine sixty four Carrera two in when he bought the C thirty six plus twenty five thousand dollars, <laughs> and now the nine sixty four is worth you know one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, and the C thirty six is worth eighteen twenty. And it was, they're going up. They are going up. I mean, I sold it for eighteen and a half thousand dollars, and it had thirty-three thousand miles a on it. Beautiful car. Yeah, and it was a, an unusual color. It was red. I don't love. I've never driven a C thirty-six, but I don't love the idea of it because I want that engine. A straight six should have a 
manual. manual. Absolutely. I, I actually put about 800 miles on one last summer, mm-hmm. and uh, the transmission was by far the most disappointing part of the car. Was it a four or five speed? It was a five speed. It was Because the 97s were five speeds, and the 95 and 96s were four, four speed speeds. automatics. But, does but you routinely, I mean, he is, will just be like, this is the transmission you put in to make it be a manual, right? You yeah. just put a six speed yeah, in a six speed. from a C Chrysler, a Chrysler W20. C230. C230. 2002 specifically. That's a strong one. Mm. Okay. But so does the transmission bother you on a C43? So the C36 was replaced by a C43, which is a 4.3 liter V8 with the single cams and also had that five-speed automatic. Does that bother you? So what's funny is this: the only C43 I've owned, I bought it with a blown up engine. So what I immediately did was rip out the drivetrain and put in a 5.4 and six-speed. So I never experienced the C43 with an automatic transmission. Kidding. You didn't drive his? I didn't. You should. uh, Just briefly. So it's very interesting to me because I'm, you know, that I'm a manual lunatic. That automatic didn't bother me in that car. And I don't, I didn't long for a manual with that V8. Yeah, no, that's like with the 126 I'm driving right now. I, first off, I used to hate 126s. Uh, and also, I'm also a manual transmission purist. All of my Mercedes have manual transmissions, but I've put a thousand miles on that thing in the past week. And honestly, it's really good. Yeah. That th- that V8, that whole family, Mercedes V8s made up to automatics really well. And you put a manual on them and they're very heavy flywheels and they have a lot of counterweight. They're not the most, V8s, cross-plane V8s are just not the most blippy engines in the world. And they work really well with automatics. I'll have to put you in my 108 sometime. Okay. I have a 1970 W108 that was a factory stick shift car. Mm-hmm. So when I put the S55 motor in it, I <laughs> kept the stick shift. Uh, mm-hmm. It's six speed, not a four speed anymore, but it's... But it still works. Oh, I mean, yeah. listen, you can modify it. But out of the factory, Mercedes are all, even the 2316, the Cosworth motor is very heavy flywheel. Um, That's now, part of why it's smooth, I imagine. Right. It's a 14 kilogram flywheel in the That's Cosworth, which is insane. 30 pounds. Way, 30. way lighter than any of the other manual five speed cars. Because, well, only because it's a four cylinder. Right. But like the. No, f- not. The Cosworth also has a lightened flywheel compared to the other four cylinders. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> For, I mean, so the light flywheel is thirty pounds. Yes, <laughs> the, like the factory flywheel in my Volkswagens, which are two liters, is fourteen pounds. So one over two point two. <laughs> the weight. I just, I actually just put a fourteen pound aluminum flywheel in my sixteen valve, mm-hmm. and wow, did that make, a, did difference? make a difference? Yeah, yeah. I had an eight pound flywheel in the Volkswagens for a while, and they would rattle themselves. Like I literally cracked the block from it. Um, cams in a flywheel. Anyway, okay. So how the fuck do we get on that? Whatever your wagon. So you put a C36 AMG engine Mm -hmm. in your E320 wagon. That's right. So it's the same engine family. It's, you know, it fits the same. It looks exactly the same now because we put the old valve cover and intake on it for the moment. Uh, So yeah, it looks exactly the same. I mean, 48 hours of like open heart surgery and the result looks exactly Exactly the same. Exactly the same, yeah. Um, But that's kind of the beauty of that to me is that... I mean, if I were to try and smog it or do anything, you know, it's a very sanitary factory looking yeah. installation. Uh, but yeah, it has 50 more horsepower. That's a big jump. And how much more torque? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know that one. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to make up a number so you can correct me once this episode goes live in Go the comments. The, so the original 30, 320 probably had 195 pound feet of torque. I bet, I bet it was a little more. The, the torque and horsepower numbers are very close on most of those engines, yeah. That's right. It was the VVT engines that had more. Okay, whatever it is. But anyway, you went from 3.2 to 3.6, which is a 400cc displacement pump, and... It's fantastic. It feels 
The, the, so it feels the same most of the time, and the characters of the car is intact, and this is the thing I like about modified cars, where they're, you don't go wacko. You know, when you have a car that's totally undrivable because of how modified it is, it's like really alpha. like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, a, it's very compromised. And this doesn't, it feels all factory. This is a nice thing about doing factory stuff in these cars. And then, of course, periodically you'll do something where you're like, wow, that would not have been possible in the past. Um, we should have done it before and after Dino. I, I wanted to. We just didn't have time. Mm. Um, but yeah, but, sorry. So it's 280 something horse now. Yeah. It's around 280 horsepower, maybe a little less because it has the smaller intake on it. But I, once I get the valve cover refinished, then we'll put the big intake on it and then maybe do some stuff with the ECU. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's got, it's much more muscular, but the, the character is intact and it's just a pleasant Mercedes product to use. It doesn't make it an unusable, terrible experience, which is often what happens when you heavily modify a car, especially with an engine swap. Is is the engine the three six any harsher or any less smooth than the three two was? I need more time with it. I mean, I've driven it probably twenty miles now, oh, twenty five wow. miles. I need more time to tell, but I, it feels more alike than unlike okay. it did before. And I mean, recall this is a factory Mercedes Benz product, so the, the levels of refinement uh, are going to be well. The three six wasn't high. a factory Mercedes project. I mean, they sold it through yeah. Mercedes dealers to Mercedes Benz customers who didn't yeah. sort of know the intricacies of who built it or where, and assumed had that Mercedes you know, had Mercedes warranty on it, yeah. on it. exactly. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's in, it's like the ultimate while still maintaining the character of the car. I mean, I think it will maybe it needs an exhaust, but maybe it doesn't. I mean, it does. It, it does because exhaust. of flow or for <laughs> for noise. Um, both. What do they sound like? I don't think I've ever heard a really opened up. Oh, it's like an S52, like a BMW S52. I used to have a wagon with that engine in it with Mm -hmm. a six-speed manual. And there was one time I was driving through Seattle and um, the muffler got caught because it was very low Mm -hmm. and ripped (laughs) off. And I then proceeded to go directly through a tunnel and the sound was glorious. And I have a video of it, so... Maybe we can include it as an insert. Um, (laughs) Uh, To me, these engines sound a lot like BMW S52. That's my problem. That's the reason I asked you for that. Because if it sounds too much like a BMW M50 or whatever, I just don't. I think you should put a big cone air air intake on it and get all kinds of glorious intake noise. But then it makes quite a bit of intake noise. Yeah. Hmm. If if we were to do an exhaust on that, we would do a a tasteful exhaust, not necessarily a loud exhaust, uh, just to give it some more flow. Okay. Fair Functional. Enough. I'm very curious. So the, the engine's brand new, so you're breaking it in. I'm very curious to see what you have to say when it's got a thousand miles on it. You beat the shit out of it. Yeah, I'm really excited to do that. It's too early to say because I literally drove it home at midnight after we finished the swap, and then I haven't driven it since then. So, okay. yeah, it needs more break-in time, but it is appreciably snappier. I mean, the torque and the throttle response actually seems better as That's, well. I think it's just that for every movement, every degree of throttle, you get you have more torque, so it just feels a lot more eager. Hmm. So, what's I'm, your break-in procedure going to be? I don't know. You tell me. You built it. <laughs> Generally, when I build an engine, I just drive it. Drive like it normally. Redline it right day one. I mean, uh, you know what they say: redline a day keeps the check engine light away. Um, <laughs> Did do they say that? <laughs> he says it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say it now. I don't have check engine lights on most. Yeah, of my cars. me neither. But um, it's healthy, right? Uh, it's what keeps the engine happy. You got to drive it. Yeah. Uh, drive it as you normally would. Uh, maybe don't go quite full tilt on it until you get the break-in oil out of it but in terms of throttle application or rpm uh both just you know take it 
variation. So I gave him a little bit of, yeah, I gave him a little bit of a different advice. I told him, yeah. get it nice and warm. Now that it's got like 25 miles on it or so, get to about 40, 50, make sure everything's all right, and then go climb Mount Tamalpais, which is one of the mountains over here. Do it at night so there's no one around and just matted foot on the floor and then full... Uh, full vacuum so you know full overrun over and over and over again don't really go over 5500 or 6000 where's it where's it redline now it's marked at 64 64 yeah. so yeah i probably just wouldn't go over 5500 or so um and then start after that start briefly adding high rpm but i would change the oil first because it still has all the brake and break or the stuff. Yeah. Uh, assembly lube in it yeah that for sure so once yeah. but i would change the oil at 50 miles when, I mean, that's how I've done it. So just because you never know what the hell the machine shop left in there and you can kill them mm-hmm. the engine really quickly. So I'd look at it really, you know, closely, but probably just dump it out at 50 miles and then go beat the shit out of it. Head needs retorquing? Nope. Okay. That's, easy. that's stretch bolts. Okay. Yeah. There's that. You should just go beat the shit out of this. So yeah, the ultimate hot rod wagon. Uh, there's a few things left to do. I would like it to be slightly louder, but not not too, too loud. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to flow better, then I'm definitely interested in doing that. Uh, and then the question, I guess, is does it need to be badged at all? The factory, it's a factory badge delete car. Mm-hmm. What is the appropriate badge to put on this car? Technically, it would be E36. Mm-hmm. Which that- was a car that was available, though. AMG made E36s and they all have body kits on them and stuff. Yeah. But so. then the problem is you put E36 on a Mercedes and people are like, well, that's a BMW code. How about yep. E360? I would just leave it debadged. I, I mean, that is the factory. factory. It is a factory debadged car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd leave it debadged, but then do something on the license plate. It was interesting. Like slow wagon. <laughs> it was interesting at uh, Radwood when I had that car because everyone would walk around. They would see that it was a manual and be intrigued. And they walk around to the back looking expectantly. This is the same thing that happens with the Dino. Right? People don't know what it is. It's mm-hmm. not a familiar shape. And so they walk to the front of the car. If it's like a person in a crosswalk and you're and yeah. you're stopped at the light when they're crossing in front you of you. You always see them look and down. And you see them look down at the badge to see, you know, what does it say? And then on that car it says Dino. And so then the, the, the confusion never clears. <laughs> on their face whereas if you're driving if it were badged as a ferrari or something that you would see that sort of moment of comprehension but that mm-hmm. ne- you may never get that which is an amusing experience when yeah, you own fine. that car yeah. because people are puzzled by it mm-hmm. and they're like is that a lotus esprit or a delorean or whatever the fuck people you know think it what is? The, you know what you know what happens is i see them behind me at red lights and they're you know you always see people behind you poking the driver and the, the passenger like what is that and whatever and you can kind of read their lips and then they look down and i don't know and i have a, a ferrari license plate frame on it ferrari of san francisco it's Ferrari a Francisco. dealer when it was still in San Francisco. Yeah. It's not just like a douche Ferrari license plate frame. Correct. To clarify. Okay. Uh, well, it's yours, technically. Yes. On loan Permanent to loan until I buy such time that I buy No, that, that wasn't the deal. Back. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> it's, as long as I own that car, that license plate frame stays with it. Yeah. Uh, if you ever buy that car back, good luck. Not going to happen. Um, sorry. How's your blood pressure? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but you can you can watch them scanning the back of the car, trying to figure out what the fuck it is, and then reading, like you just see them mouth Ferrari, and that's yeah. when they figure it out. But so the Lotus does that, and yeah. so anyway, same thing happened with the wagon at uh, Radwood because it's not badged, and people are like, "What engine is in this car?" Or like they're just looking for comprehension about the powertrain because it's weird to see a manual in a Mercedes, especially a station wagon one. So you're gonna so, do a custom plate because you could no, do like no, no, displaced, no, no. Be funny no. or. Come on, like stanced, displaced. You could do like dog wagon. It'd be really cute if you had dogs. That's true. It's true. I don't know. I'm not much of a vanity plate person. I know. I know. It's, it's so it's an opportunity for comedy. Yes. Like that's the never to be missed by one Jason Camisa. Not true. Eight 
cars of mine have historical vehicle plates. I had to get rid of the filio plate that I had on the Ferrari, which is amazing because Dino was Ferrari's son and filio in Italian means son. So that was the plate I got. Son, S-O-N. That was wonderful. I had to get rid of it because I wanted historical plates. I only have two. There's some... This one, I hate everyone on the Lotus. And then... Stonad on the... Don't forget the uh, van. That hasn't (laughs) arrived yet. I ordered that plate in... December, November, they cashed the check in December. It is now the end of August and the fucking plate hasn't arrived yet. Maybe they decided it was too offensive to actually no, send they it to you. Yes, but maybe they, they had a change of heart when they read what it said. Have or, we talked about what the plate says? I hope not. Or or it's just the California Department of Motor Vehicles is completely dysfunctional and therefore they can't. They told me that it was they were running about eight months behind. So it should any day now. Uh, the license plate for my van makes a lot of sense it is my daughter's name do you have any kids jason no okay Car- carry on um <laughs> her name is gina named after R- regina that the the um city in saskatchewan so um, you have your vangina yeah okay yep anyway, well totally come on sense. join step into the vangina listen it is a baby hauling van and my daughter shut up that i don't have that i have very definitely i cannot fucking wait to see this giant plate on the back of this van i mean i'm just going to laugh endlessly and i know that everyone on the road will be pointing and laughing and it's just such an amazing moment for comedy and i fucking eight months it's been eight months i'm so fucking pissed well i look forward to seeing that I, we've kept this under wraps until you just ratted me out. I didn't. You, I left you an out to not disclose. Yeah, yeah. but you can't like cock tease the audience like that. Okay. Or, so v- vangina tease the audience. Vangina tease the audience. Yeah. It's There's... going to be amazing. J-Y-N-A-H. Right? Okay. Some people might think I'm a fan of Trump's pronunciation of China. Because <laughs> that was similar. To that. I don't care what they think, but I'm going to laugh every time I look. And let's be honest. If you have to purchase a minivan, you need comedy in your life. I mean, the whole thing is sort of comedic. What my that you have a van vagina? Uh, my van, my vagina with eighteen-inch blacked-out wheels, tint, and I, Michelin's and sticky Michelin's. The van has the same all-season fours as your white one twenty-six does. Yep. they're um, good tires. It very good tires. It was the first time we've ever had to call the camera car and say, slow down filming, because most of the picture cars couldn't keep up. This was when we did uh, uh, Bull Market last year, but the, the, <laughs> the picture cars couldn't keep up with the camera van. And the guys in the van were all getting sick because it, you know, Michelins, they generate like 400 Gs of skid pad grip and silently. And so we're not listening to, you previously we had, the, we had a Telluride, which also had Michelins on it, but they were like all season Michelins. And so- The non-sporty all seasons. Yeah, that we had to cut all the audio out because all you hear is, the, as the tell you rides going around the uh, the racetrack. Anyway, yeah, my vagina has two hundred eighty three horsepower. My vagina has variable valve timing. My vagina's got a six speed automatic. My vagina seats seven comfortably. <laughs> That's the best one for sure. My vagina needs an oil change. My vagina has a tranny leak at the moment. You have just been practicing all of this for eight months, haven't you? It's so good. It's so, I mean, literally. You should get a sticker that just says my vagina and then it's like dot, dot, dot. And then sort of the public can fill it in with whatever they like. (laughs) You guys can do it. You guys can add comments to the YouTube video. on To my vagina. vagina. Yeah. I mean, I love that my vagina has got a 3.6 liter pen of start Mm. (laughs) in it. It's quite a lot of displacement. 
Stone go seats. Mm. <laughs> Two zone air conditioning. Three zone air conditioning in my vagina. It's so stupid. Uh, it's so good. You're making yourself laugh. My vagina no, has a torsion beam rear suspension. Come on. It doesn't get better than that. Do you think the public will, will piece together the van part too? A small portion will. I kind of hope... You no. should put a sticker that says my van above no, the license plate. I don't plate. want it. Need, it can't be that. Listen, it's one thing for it to make me laugh. It's it's something else for it to make people uncomfortable if their kids say what's Gina, right? I mean, <laughs> you, <laughs> mommy, you that van's you license can't then walk up to this line and then suddenly sort of feign concern for the to, public. <laughs> I want to walk up to the line and maybe tweak it but i don't want to jump across it screaming i don't want fuck on the license plate right you know i don't want something that really is offensive i want something that'll make the parents laugh and the kids not know so okay. if it says my van my other car is a vagina i mean come on it doesn't stop <laughs> uh, you say one thing but i think when the moment of comedy arrives you're going to no go i can't i really wouldn't want i like stunat is great on the license plate the, the other plate that I got from my mother years ago when I bought her an E46 was Bafangul. And Bafangul is a New York Italian pronunciation of Bafanculo, which means go fuck yourself. But it was so obscure that driving around in California, I'm going to say in the two years that she had that car here, maybe one person figured it out, right? But it was an inside joke for us that was really funny. Like, because, you know, of course, I bought the car. I put it in the corner of my friend's shop with a big red bow on it. I bring her in. She's like, oh, somebody bought somebody a car. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, sweet, it's really it's a cute BMW and oh, with a bow and everything. I'm like, right. And she's like, huh? Oh my God, the license plate's Bafangul. That's amazing. And I'm like, dumbass, it's yours, right? It's like, so it was such a wonderful moment for us. And she cried and I was like, no, don't, you're supposed to laugh. It's great. Anyway, um, <laughs> that plate is now on a Ferrari 575, 550 or 575 in Santa Barbara or something. It's Did like, you it's sell it or somebody else? I had it on the SL. Uh, after my mom's car got stolen and totaled. And the guy who bought the SL said, I will only buy it if you include the license plate. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I need to put it on my daily, which is a 550 or 575. And I was like, yes, you're totally good. But the okay. funny thing is I took that license plate, I think I've told this before, to New York with me when the Fiat 500 came out. And I was doing an early story for Automobile on the on the little little new Italian Cinquecento. And so I took the Bafangul plate on it. I had like Italian like the Italian horns hanging from the rearview mirror. And I drove around Little Italy in the car in Manhattan. And in Manhattan and Brooklyn, everywhere I went, Fungle! Everyone was giving me the finger, laughing. I mean, it was just a spectacle everywhere I went. And that was a little too much. Like you hmm. can't have Bafangul as your license plate in New York, but you can in San Francisco. Okay. Gina? I mean, it is just a name. It's Gina, right? There are people that have names... Maybe the jury will determine one person in the last seven billion born <laughs> in the world. The, jur the, the, the public will, will. Hey, listen, you could call your kid Dick. You could name many your people kid do. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So if Dick is a name, Gina can be a name. Okay, that's my story, and I'm. Uh, this you're practicing what you're going to say when to you're in cop. court. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the worst worst they could do is take it away. But mm. I'll have the pictures, right? Mm. Like the Buff Uncle pictures. Yes. Right. I hate everyone, which I'm always worried they're going to take no, that away from me. that's fine. You're not allowed to use H8. Hmm. Really? Yeah, you're not allowed to say hate on the, on the license plate. But that when they were, when I was getting the, the plate, I go into the DMV and there's this like sweetheart of a, of a girl at the thing. And I'm like, hi, I'm here for the plate. And when she was like, 
she laughs when she gets the little you get a card with the license plate on it and i see her she goes in the back and she opens the envelope and just bursts out laughing when she sees the plate and i'm watching her stop at every single window on the way and they're laughing she's like oh my god do you believe this plate ha 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 and they're all laughing and taking fucking selfies with the picture with the plate and then she comes up and she's like i'm sorry i don't think i can give you this plate <laughs> and i was like why not and she's like mm, it could be offensive to someone and i was like honey we're in california you can say hi to someone and they'll be offended everybody is offended by everyone it's going on a lotus elise that's this big and black and everyone runs me off the fucking road i need to do whatever it takes to get their attention wake them up and and just notice that i exist so it's not me that hates everyone it's the car she was like, mm, okay, but if somebody calls, they're offended. I'm like, I'll say good morning to the wrong person. They'll be offended, and I'll go to jail over it. And she laughed, and that was, I got the plate. So California's a little bit tough with the plates. Well. Was. You can do anything you want now. Really? Yeah. Somebody sued the California Department of Motor Vehicles for uh, a Second Amendment violation. Free speech? Free speech. Wow. There was a guy, I think, if I remember correctly, there was a guy who wanted the plate, I'm gay. And they wouldn't give it to him because they said it was offensive. And he was like, that's not offensive. That's just what it is. And they denied it. And he sued. It was a class action. It was a bunch of other people suing as well. Um, and the decision came through that it was the DMV standards censorship. for censorship was uh, improperly and uh, unfairly enforced and inconsistently enforced. So Which they is would true. just randomly. Yeah. There was stuff that went through and stuff that didn't go through and they didn't have strict guidelines. Uh, and so, boom, this California Supreme Court removed the dmvs oh maine has this too uh where they because i've seen a bunch of really offensive plates in maine or just like plates that would be considered offensive like there was a e38 7 series with the plate number slut bus (laughs) 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 pretty amusing um so yeah i guess they had something similar going on in maine yeah it happens all the time. My favorite one is, you know, I eat the kids. Oh, like, eat the kids eat first. The kids first. Yeah, because yeah. they yeah. have a kids first license right. plate Virginia, um, right? in Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. 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 There's and so the many, suit. so many really clever. I mean, uh, uh, you know that I have a folder of thousands of license plate pictures. Of right? I was, There's an Instagram account. Plate. I think it's just called Urban Plates where yeah. they have like interesting I need to plates. just hand over my collection because I, I thought archive. I would do an, an Instagram page at one point. of, But I probably have like six or 7,000 pictures that I've taken of funny license plates over the years. I mean, the excuse me. My favorite one was the Isuzu. Yeah, that's the best one. I had an one. Isuzu pickup truck and the license plate was I-S-Q-U-Z-U. Excuse you. So I called it my excuse you poop because it was an Isuzu pup. But yeah. That's one we'll of do, my well, Maybe one day we'll do a license plate episode. I'll, I'll get my first two or 300 uh, funny plates and we'll do a slideshow. Like, you may look at this plate and this happened here. And I'll be like, this is not period appropriate. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, this has been episode, I don't know, what are we at? 110 or 11? 11, maybe. Of the Carmudgeon Show, in which we discuss miscellaneous motor swaps of Mercedes-Benzes. Um, do you want to, Matt, uh, be telling the public about your business? Or do yes. you have so much work that you don't want anymore? Oh, well, I do have quite a bit of work. But the more work I have, the more choosy I can be. So, um I guess, yes, if you have interest in a um, silly Mercedes swap or a not silly Mercedes swap, I do I do Mercedes swaps. I'm out of Nashville. It's uh, My shop is Quick Classics, but it's not spelled the way you think it is. We'll include a, well, a Yeah, you may have spelling. to tell them. Actual if you spelling. want them to find you. Oh, yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's K-W-I-E-K. 
And uh, you, it sounds like, have some interesting stuff potentially in the pipeline. One of my favorites, I think, that will maybe resonate with you is the 190 SL 2.316. No. Yes. Ooh. I'm excited about that one. Because the worst part of the 190 SL is, is the, the engine. engine. Yes. So putting Ooh, a good engine. worth more yeah. in it. So, that's oh, a yeah, lot that of power was actually for that little car. something else. Uh, you brought up a 190 2.0 earlier. Mm-hmm. However long ago, you said something about how the 2 liter S14 was the best. Yeah. I have a stockpile of 190 16-valve engine parts right now. So if someone could find me a 2-liter M102 8-valve motor, I will build a 190 2.0 16 so we can test that theory on the... About whether the 2.0 16 is is better than... Interesting. So I think the reason the S14 is because it's a very long stroke and it's a terribly, horribly unrefined motor. And 2.5 is just unacceptable unless you're full throttle. 2.3 is mostly unacceptable and 2.0 was the sweetest of the bunch but the 2.3 liter and the 2.5 mercedes motors are smooth as silk yeah so i don't know if that would hold true be fun it would be very fun (laughs) especially Especially to get those piston (laughs) speeds up get some uh, serious rpm i mean they they they, the block is good for ten thousand out of the out of the gate yeah i think the head was good for nine or ten thousand you know this firsthand well you gotta upgrade the valve springs but yeah Mine definitely was over eight at one point. I had a friend who has let me shift. drive many, many of his millions of dollars worth of cars and insisted that he drove the 2316 and he shifted into second at 80 miles an hour. And I heard the tack needle go against its own stopper. Um, no problem. No, it was, I mean, so it was anywhere between, I think we calculated out. It was, you know, over nine. No, I mean, no problem. I r- routinely wind mine out to about eight, so... Mm. So there you go. The so yeah, you know. many interesting swapping ideas potentially. Um, making a pagoda that doesn't suck, I think, is also a good yes, idea. Yes, that is certainly on my list as well as a V eight one ninety E. I think you should also do a C forty three AMG wagon with a five point four liter and a stick. Funny you mentioned that. Stay tuned. <laughs> yes, stay tuned. Uh, tune in next year. Okay. Anyway, we're wrapping this episode. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so Thank much you for all of your wrenching you efforts me. and uh, yeah, for for coming in and watching us IRL as opposed to listening to us yammer in your ear while you're wrenching. Uh, it it's is just as fun, maybe more. Wait, wait until you now have to hear yourself while you're wrenching on oh, listening God. to this podcast. You're gonna hate. You're oh, gonna realize you just said, the "Oh same. God, there's the Michigan." <laughs> All right, join us next week for additional curmudgeoning, unless we haven't done next week's, in which case it might be the week after that. But we'll be curmudgeoning and uh, maybe come see us in Detroit as well. September 23rd, Detroit Concord Elegance. All right. Thank you.